Inside the 18, I'm Michael Magid. With me is former ex... Well, that's a weird way to say that. Uh, <laughs> one or the other is probably... One okay. or the other. Ex-MLS goalkeeper Patrick McLean. Uh, we've got a special guest with us today. We've got Matt Pistrowski in from Europe. That's right, the Europe guys, not just... Uh, not just like uh, some town in California called Europe, California. We actually got somebody from Europe who actually is the lead goalkeeping analyst for The Athletic. He's also the first team goalkeeper coach at two European clubs that I can't pronounce. So I'm going to let Matt do it. Yep, it's uh, Varberg and Engelholm. And thanks yeah. for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Dude, we're excited to have yeah, you, man. I mean, for being here. I mean, that's one of the things is like uh, we're always trying to get you know, guests that are really going to uh, vibe with the crowd and, and all the insiders out there. And a lot of the questions that we always get is like, hey, how, what's it take to get to Europe? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I played in USL and I sat on a bench in USL. So I have no idea what it takes. <laughs> yeah, same, yeah. same. So it's good that we're uh, good that we're talking to you today. Uh, first off, everyone, yeah, I want to th thank everyone for rating, reviewing and subscribing. You guys have been absolutely amazing. Um, we're over 105 reviews right now in the United States and over... 115, I believe, internationally. So, I don't know, Matt. Do you know? Are you good at math? What is that? Like 300 people or something that listen to it? <laughs> something like that. I'll take your word for it. We appreciate you. Yeah, uh, we yeah. appreciate everybody, honestly, who's doing that. And uh, you know what we like to do always at the beginning of the show, Matt, is we like to show love to the people that show love to us, which I stole from the Cooligans, straight up. Like that's the way they say it. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say it like that. So uh, we want to start off with some of these reviews. So let's start off with this one right here. And this one comes from uh, Marco Rajic. Um, and he goes, hey, guys, my name is Marco, and I am coming from Serbia. Right now I'm playing in Miami. I just want to thank you for putting your time and effort into this podcast to make goalkeeping easier and answer all on all questions. A lot of people think that goalkeeping is easy, and it's just standing on the goal and stopping the shots. But it's more than that. Uh yeah, absolutely. You are correct, Marco. We are going to agree with you on that front. What if like the rest is just like him, just like completely saying how we don't know anything about goalkeeping? Uh, hopefully it's not. Okay. We put our time in watching a lot of videos, reading the books about soccer, mindset, positioning, and more. For us, goalkeeping is life and passion. I'm listening to this podcast every day and learning something new from it and progressing on my way to MLS, exclamation point. Wish you all the best in the future, guys, exclamation point, GK Union. And then he's got all these like, those things, yeah. the strong arms, yeah, strong guys. arm emojis. Yeah, those Let's are uh, go. those are legit. Uh, well, thanks, Marco. That's awesome, man. Um, we got to find out where he's playing in Miami, man. Yeah, uh, is he uh, is he going to be one of the new Beckham signings? There's an MLS team coming, dude. I don't know. You said on your way to MLS, maybe you're one of those first signings coming. So, well, uh, yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. So, like, uh, this next one, I don't think is playing in MLS anytime soon because she goes as a mom of an U13 female keeper. I love that my daughter and I can listen to this together. She gets so much great takeaways from the tips. And that's from Kala's mom in the United States. Uh, that's honestly really cool to hear that because I know a lot of you people out there listening uh, who are parents of goalkeepers. This is kind of your first uh, introduction into goalkeeping, you know, through your kids. And uh, man, I wish I had that opportunity when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I mean, I really wish that something like this was available when I was coming up because... I think, you know, that's our goal here is to, to make this applicable for all ages, U13 to 25, whatever, you know? Yeah. Now, Matt, was, uh, was there anything like this available when, uh, when you were coming up uh, through the ranks? Did, uh, did you listen to any uh, goalkeeping podcasts <laughs> with your parents? <laughs> no, podcasts obviously. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. I don't even think the internet was a thing. Um, kind of dating myself there, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is this is brilliant. Obviously, to have this for uh, for kids to be able to go listen, maybe on their way to practice or on the way to school, or even just out, uh, you know, enjoying their day. I think it's uh, it's absolutely brilliant, top class, and uh, yeah. See, that's how I know that you're playing. You're, you've been playing in Europe. You said brilliant and top class. Top class. <laughs> oh, that's such a. <laughs> That is such a European thing. Um, this next one uh, comes from Rishi Mehta in Dubai. Uh, wow. wow, man. You know, that's the craziest thing yeah. is like when we start hearing about where we have fans. Right. This, and we're like, my gosh, this, this is insane. It's crazy that you can talk to somebody in Dubai and somebody in the United States at the same time. Yeah. And maybe that's just dating myself as well. But I think it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah. And that this information is relevant no matter where in the world you are. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's continue on with it. And he goes, keep doing the work you are doing. You're helping so many people that you're not even aware of. I forwarded and talked about your podcast to not only my friends, but junior goalkeepers from my school. Then he goes, this is kind of a shots fired though. Even though your podcasts are long. My <laughs> <laughs> last couple have gone a little yeah, they long. Got, they went a little long. Uh, everything about it is so informative and interesting. Well, let's, let's 50, 50. Uh, I'm so glad to have come across your page on Instagram through which I started listening to your podcast. And then he, dude, he goes top class. Top class. So, so I honestly think, right. it's just, I think it's just Matt. I, I think, think that's our word for today. Yeah. It's top class. Yeah, top class. We got to throw that in, I think, seven more times during this uh, this episode. And then uh, what if it's we'll like one of those up. things where it's like a secret word and then like banners and like confetti <laughs> starts coming down. Like music goes like, <laughs> you won a million dollars. Exactly. One of those like sweepstakes things. Uh, speaking of sweepstakes, though, that was weird. we actually are going to do the sweepstakes today. Uh, we were going to choose one lucky fan from the United States and one lucky fan from international uh, to win an inside the 18 goalkeeping scarf, uh, courtesy of Roughneck Scarves. Uh, Matt, are you familiar with Roughneck Scarves? They're the official scarves. They're the official scarf provider. Please enlighten me. Oh, I'm going to tell you all about them, according to this ad copy. Uh, they're the official scarf <laughs> provider of Major League Soccer, the NCAA, U.S. Soccer. Probably shouldn't tell people that. And uh, and now the NHL. Um, that was titled, such a shot fired at U.S. Soccer. We are not getting invited to that convention. Um, <laughs> Uh, honestly, we love Roughneck scarves. They make really awesome scarves. And, uh, and, and honestly, shout out to Roughnecks for, for doing this to us. Roughneckscarves.com, guys. Promo code I18. Uh, all right. Should we do this uh, generation while we're on the air right here? We're going to do it. I've got the, all the names here in the random generator. I'm going to pick one, and the name will be MKR15. So, so MKR15, uh, reach out to us, DM us. Let us know who you are. Q confetti. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we will send you a uh, we will send you a scarf. Uh, now I got to do the international, so I got to get rid of all the American people. And we're gonna do this. And we're like, hey, you know what? Maybe you should have thought of this uh, another time and uh, not done it on the air. Also, thanks for listening, MKR15. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a that's a really cool thing. Uh, oh no, this is the. That's the American list again. Where is, ah, there we go. International lists here. I narrowed that one down because, all right, here we go. Dun, 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 dun. And let's see here. And I'm going to pick one. And the winner is <laughs> result GK training in Ireland. So GK training underscore in Ireland. You are the winner of the international competition. Uh, yes. So you get an inside the 18 scarf guys. When you get these scarves in the mail, please DM us for stuff. So we know who you are. 
uh, contact at insidethe18media.com. Uh, send us your address. We'll send it over to you. And send us a screenshot of how you uh, use it as a, uh, I don't know, you know, a towel uh, to dry yourself off after, <laughs> after training. Uh, or wear it at your favorite uh, sporting event or, or hanging in your room. Uh, whatever you want to do with it, guys, as long as you're listening, we are happy. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's move on to the, our first listener question of the day. Um, this one comes from Logan Bittner. And he says, just want to say thanks for all the work y'all do. This is seriously one of the best goalkeeper podcasts out there and one that actually holds my attention. You guys are so knowledgeable inside and out of all aspects of goalkeeping. I do have a question though. I play in an area where the closest DA is two hours away. And honestly, I probably am not good enough to play for them. Well, dude, I mean, come on a little bit more self-confidence there, dude. How would you know until you go out there? Uh, I play on the B team of a local club. That is the one is the rise on my age group. I played two years up last year for a different club team. I feel like I'm going to have trouble reaching out to coaches because I'm on the B team in a club that isn't that big. Is there anything I can do to make myself look better? I play high school in the fall and I'm hoping to make varsity next year as a sophomore. Also, my state has a lot of NAIA schools, if that matters. Thanks. And I hope for the podcast to continue for many more episodes. Uh, who wants to start this out? Who wants to start uh, answering this one out? Go for it, Matt. All right. Uh, first of all, Logan, um, thanks for sending in the question. Uh, I think the most important thing is just that you play. You play as much as you can. Uh, get yourself out there. Contact clubs. Don't be afraid to hear no. Um, that's kind of the biggest advice. Um, you know, you're in a situation right now where you have no idea what's out there. And if they say no, your situation stays the same. Nothing changes. Exactly. Um, you know, and then if, if they say yes, then obviously you get an opportunity to go kind of prove yourself and, uh, you never know, man. I mean, obviously you're playing in a B team right now, but that doesn't mean, uh, you know, in the future you'll still be there. So put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to, uh, to hear no or hear anything negative and just keep grinding away. Yeah. Patrick, anything you want to add? Yeah. I, I just going along with Matt here. Don't, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Exactly what he said. And, and don't be afraid to, you know, fail because failing is what ultimately leads to success. And honestly, you might surprise yourself. Like you might surprise yourself by putting yourself in that situation. Uh, what you're actually capable of. You might not even know at this point, if you're, if you're just staying in a small pond, like you don't, you don't necessarily know how big of a fish you might be. So I don't think there's any downside to, going there and giving your best effort and and reaching out to coaches because honestly if you don't do it then you're just going to stay in the same place and yeah. if if that's if that's ultimately you know if moving forward is what you want then i hate to break it to you there's going to be a lot of no's in your journey as there was for all three of us the tons and tons of no's but all it takes is one yes you know and and one yes can make the difference in your entire life yeah and we're getting some comments coming in right now live uh on the air and i got to give these out out uh mitch hildebrandt uh mitch hildebrandt says are you in the bathroom looks like a shower curtain. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, thanks so that's, for listening, Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Mitch Hildebrandt. Uh, honestly, a friend of the show, uh, awesome goalkeeper as well, too. Um, another Midwest guy. I think, uh, I think, uh, Mitch is another Midwest guy and it's all Midwest goalkeepers. What do you guys do? Yeah. Out there? Yeah. Hey, yeah. We just carry logs up, uh, <laughs> up hills. Is that how you guys all end up playing in MLS? Is you guys just like, you guys are just in the woods all the time. And that's, yeah. uh, that's what happens. It's mental toughness, uh, which we'll talk about today. And right? uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 
And Doug Cardozi says class guest today. So look at that. Oh, so, Dougie. Oh, Dougie. Miss you, bud. Yeah. Dougie Fresh. And Stan just says, yo, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. <laughs> yo, Stan. Yo, Typical Stan. All right. Um, all right. Let's move on to this, uh, this yeah. next question. Yo, right back at you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's coming from Matt right there. That's a European yo. Top class. Yeah, top class yo. Uh, all right, let's move on to this next question. Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, he just says, hey, Mike and Patrick, but I'm going to include Matt in this. Uh, I think that's a little rude, Mars. Uh, it's Mars Brownson, uh, big insider, uh, always sending us questions. In other sports, a goalie slash defender's hand position is often higher than for soccer. Handball, water polo, lacrosse, basketball hands are higher than for goalkeepers. Is it possible conventional wisdom is wrong? Is a basketball stance better for a corner kick? Um, Interesting question. And uh, honestly, shout out to a lot of the parents out there who are, again, just learning the position. So I don't ever want to look at any, any question as a, a stupid question um, or an ignorant question or anything like that, because I think a lot of parents out there just, just want to know. So uh, let's kind of break this down for him. Is this a parent? Yes. I think that's interesting because I think it's really important to look outside the box of what is conventional wisdom for goalkeeping and find... Uh, inspiration in places that other people might not necessarily look. Uh, so that being said, I mean, play with it. <laughs> I mean, that's my best advice. Like, obviously, there are certain aspects of goalkeeping that that make a lot of sense, which is why uh, a lot of the higher level people do it. But it just takes it just takes one person doing something in a different way and being successful in doing that to create a whole new uh, culture of what is expected and what is the norm. So I would say anytime that you have a chance to, you know, to ask these questions, to, um, to play with these different stances or whatever it is, or your hand position, I, I, I fully encourage that depending on your level. Obviously, if you're, if you're playing in the EPL every weekend, you might not want to change too much right now. <laughs> But uh, if you're if you're a goalkeeper on the rise or you're a parent of a goalkeeper on a rise, just encourage encourage that outside thinking. Okay. Matt, anything you want to add? Yeah, piggyback off Patrick there. Um, never say no to anything. Um, you know, try it if it's uh, if it's successful, go for it. But also, I think I think it kind of depends on. It's kind of hard for me to to understand exactly what he considers a high. Uh, high hand position here. Um, but I, I do think, think, I think, what, that I think what he's thinking is like in, in basketball or anything like that is in like, you know, like above the head. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I have seen that. That's before. pretty common actually. Yeah. Uh, I have seen that before mm. in corners, uh, especially in the South American game. I see a lot of yeah. goalkeepers yes. throw their hands up like that. Well, a lot of coaches even like that. Um, not even just goalkeeper coaches, a lot of uh, field player coaches like that as well, because especially on a corner situation, you make yourself look bigger. And if you take a couple steps off your line, you're facing the corner kick taker, then you look like you have all this area covered. So they're going to think, well, now I got to put it further away from the six yard box and less, which will ultimately be in a less dangerous spot for us. So I, I think if you, you know, if you watch the EPL, if you watch uh, the German Bundesliga, uh, MLS, like you, you see goalkeepers doing that high hand position all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. the other thing I'll say is keeping the hands above the head on a corner kick. It's smart from the goalkeeper's uh, perspective because the field players will try to grab your arms. Um, you know, if you're keeping the higher level that you get to play at, I mean, field players try to get 
tricky and try to take advantage any way they can. I mean, I've had yeah. guys grab my jersey, try to keep my arm down. Uh, and the other thing is, is if you have your hands above your head and someone tries to bring your arm down, it's very noticeable um, for the referee. So it's obviously totally. I've had a few times where I've gotten a free kick in my favor just for that. Um, so uh, for corner kicks, for sure, definitely keep it above your head. Big yeah, I, of that. Personally, I, you know, I, my, my situation is I try to stay as low as possible because they can't see me first off because <laughs> I'm so short. <laughs> so like they don't even realize there's a goalkeeper there. And then all of a sudden I come out for the cross. They're like, oh, I think some, uh, how did this happen? There was like an armadillo on the ground or something. <laughs> Ninja. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, I love the fact that Patrick is like dressed in a suit and I'm like wearing. I a just noticed that when you changed the camera on here, I was like, wow, he looks brilliant. Dude, uh, brilliant. Look there we go. No, again, you look fantastic class. today. You, yeah. Top class. There you go. It's like you're Arlo <laughs> you White great, right man. now. Look at me. And yeah, I'm just like geez. slobbly dressed. I was going for contrast. Yeah, me guys. too. I'm just in my little hoodie here. I'm just like, gosh, so underdressed. I thought I was uh, doing a podcast. I guess I'm joining, you know. Some kind of shoot here. Where are you going afterwards? ESPN. Shut it out. Oh, Did you, you just go. come for something important? Or? No, no. I, I've got an audition right after this. Oh, okay. Ooh, all right. All right. Nice. Break a leg. With Good that. luck, man. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Um. All right. So, uh, you know what? I we have one more question, but I kind of want to move on into this. So, uh, I Hallman, we'll get to your question next week. Um. All right. I want to kind of segue into this uh, in regards to uh, the question that was earlier asked about you know opportunities and you know getting seen and all that sort of thing and one of the number one questions i get and i probably got so many of these that i was just like i'm just going to lump this into a category and it's great that we're having matt on here for this and that the question is how do i get to europe I, I get this from coaches and players all the time and first off everybody i want everyone out there to understand that you know just because you're not playing in europe or coaching in europe doesn't mean you're not a good goalkeeper coach or a good goalkeeper you know um everyone's got their path everyone's got their opportunities but I do have this question asked a lot of times. So I kind of wanted to have somebody on here and Matt, obviously, you know, you took the path of starting in the United States and then heading over to Europe uh, to earn a contract. So let, let's talk about that. What, what's it like to earn a contract in Europe and, and how both of you guys here, uh, how do you guys pass your trial? Let, let's yeah, just start from the basic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from the basic, to be honest, I was very fortunate just because of contacts. Um, you know, obviously I wanted to kind of see what I could make in, in America first. Uh, I was with Portland for a season. Um, you know, things just obviously didn't work out and was looking for a new opportunity. And then one of my contacts said, Hey, you know, would you be open going to Sweden? And for me, it was like, yeah, of course, you know, football's football. It doesn't matter, uh, where, where you go. Um, so for me, obviously just going over and kind of testing myself and I was fortunate because it worked out, um, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's hard. It, it's kind of hard to say because I, I do know players who kind of just, I mean, everybody's kind of familiar with the Jay Demerit story. I'm sure, you know, just packing his bags, going over to Europe and, uh, yeah, he was playing like Cinderella men's league. He was playing like men's yeah, league. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And just kind of climbed his way up the pyramid. Um, I think that's very, uh, that's a rare case. Um, keeper I want to talk about later did the same thing. Steve Clark, he went over to Norway and same thing, kind of just knocked on doors and asked for trials. Um, it's definitely possible to do that. It's quite difficult. I wouldn't uh, say it's the, the, the uh, easiest way to, to make it into the professional game. But, uh, you know, I think as we said before, you know, worst thing they can do is say no. Just put yourself out there. 
Yeah, let's let's break this down a little bit because there's a, a big difference between a uh, a trial as a professional and a trial as a, as a youth player. Mm. So, Patrick, why don't you talk about the differences of of, of going over and, and having a trial as a pro as opposed to as a youth player? Um, in Europe specifically, what it was like for me to to be on trial there. Yeah. So the biggest thing I noticed because I had played here in the MLS and I had uh, spent some time in the USL at that point, um, what I really noticed, and Matt, you can, you can either tell me if this was a, a really specific circumstance or not, but it just seemed so far less political. Um, I mean, to be totally honest, like the club that I had gone to uh, was a club called Geis there in the second division of Sweden. I went there and I was there for a couple of days and they said, Hey, we want to sign you. Uh, we have to get rid of our, our starting goalkeeper first. If we can do that, then we're going to sign you because you're better. <laughs> like, and that was just w what it was. And I, that to me just seems so strange because I feel like there's so many political loopholes that you have to navigate here in, in the MLS. And maybe that's why we're struggling on the national scale as well is because uh, a lot of really good players and not not speaking about my own situation here but there's a lot of really good players who are falling through the, the cracks and uh, so S matt's a perfect example of how uh, a really great player may have fallen through the cracks here in mls or um, and and then was able to make a really successful career for himself in sweden yeah um Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, Matt, you know, you went over to Sweden and you decided to, to stick around and, and, mm -hmm. and continue that European journey um, as a non-European union because you, you didn't have an EU passport, right? No, but in Sweden, in Sweden, it doesn't it doesn't uh, matter. Uh, okay. It's not applicable here. So, OK, yeah, and um, that, that, that's also that's also why I think a lot of Americans try to come to Sweden is because the barrier to entry is very low. Totally. Um, and then also it's a country where English is. I mean, I think 70% of the population is completely fluent in English. Um, they're the highest percentage English speakers that are non-native in the world. Um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty easy for an American just to come over. Totally. And assimilate into society. So, so it's interesting because I, I run a, a, a comedy show at an international venue uh, twice a week. And we get a lot of people from Sweden at the show. And their English is better <laughs> than the Americans on stage. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very unreal. true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about goalkeeping in general, though. Uh, Non-EU goalkeepers, is there a stigma? And, and, and I don't want to just say Americans because I know that there's goalkeepers from all over the world that come to Scandinavia, you know, looking mm. for opportunities. And, and is, is there a stigma attached to them as opposed to a, a traditional European uh, country? Very layered uh, okay. question. Um, it's kind of it's kind of hard, hard to answer. I, I think okay. and, and, and Patrick kind of said this when he was describing his uh, his experience at Geis. The thing they care about is that you're good. Okay. Um, if you're good, they're going to sign you. Um, and I do think, especially here in Sweden, partly, I think the reason it probably didn't feel political. I've been through some situations that have been political here. Um, and we can, you know, maybe talk about those if you guys want. But uh, I think for the most part, it's just, they want to win, you know? So it's just about getting the best player on the field. And, and that's kind of what drives the, uh, drives the decision-making process. Um, but the hard, the hard thing about coming over is you have to be better because if you're not better, they're not going to sign you um, because as a foreign player, you have to command a higher salary because there's a, there's a role here in Sweden. If you play at the elite level, you have to have a certain salary. Um, so you have to make sure you're better. 
Um, because if you're not, if you're just as good as the guy they have, they're not going to sign you. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, totally. you know, because what is the, is there, I mean, you don't have to give the numbers and specifics, but is it significantly higher uh, than, than what they can pay a domestic? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's interesting. Okay. And I, I didn't yeah. know that before. And it's really good that we have uh, you on the show to talk about these things. Cause you've actually been through it. Like my, my time in Sweden was so limited. I was there for like two weeks. And mm. uh, so it's, it's very limited. And that's just in the small amount of time that I was there. That's the one, th- that's the one thing that really stood out to me is just, Hey, if you can play, we want mm. you to play here. Right. <laughs> so, so, so what are some of the misconceptions that, uh, and I'm just going to use because I know the United States goalkeeper better than, than I do other, you know, I'm sure, you know, some of the people, our insider friends out there, you know, can tell us, you know, what this, what the, you know, misconceptions are from their countries, but of Americans, um, when they go over to Europe, what are they expecting and what are they surprised by, uh, when they, when they go, over um, I think it's probably what a lot of people have kind of heard before. Uh, Americans are very athletic, very strong. They can run, they can work, but that's about it. That's kind of what the stigma is. They're not very smart. They don't understand the game. Um, You know, and I think that's still a barrier that we kind of have to break down. Um, You know, also, I think part of that is just America is so far away for them, you know, and they, all they see is what's on TV. And I think with, with, especially with, with soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, it's hard to, to feel the energy through the TV to really actually be able to tell how fast the game is going. Um, you know, because a lot of the comments I normally get about MLS is they go, Oh my God, it's the level is so low. And I laugh at them because I'm like, you guys have no idea. Yeah. The pace is so high. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Those guys will just run circles around you fitness wise, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, uh, so there's definitely a stigma going the opposite way for sure. Um, you know, and I think also kind of what hurts too, um, and obviously they only see one-sided, but they see guys who have been successful in MLS who come over and have a difficult time transitioning. Um, but of course the opposite happens too. Um, you know, you have guys who are star players in El Svenskin here in Sweden and they go over to MLS and they just don't cut it. Um, so, I mean, there's obviously there's not a, a, a one size fits all. Um, you know, a lot depends on the team you go to fitting in the system, you know, that's a, that's a bigger answer, but, uh, I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about, you know, uh, countries like a Sweden or a Norway, some of these Scandinavian countries and why it's more beneficial sometimes for, uh, an American player or a Canadian player or a Mexican player or whatever to, to start out at one of these countries. Um, and why are they so much more willing to take a chance on an international player, uh, on a lesser known international player than, than some of these bigger countries, you know, cause I mean, somebody said to me, they're like, Oh, you know, you're going to talk Europe and stuff. They're like, what Zach Steffen, man city. I'm like, that's, mm. that's the outlier. Like, and that's yes. like, you know, those are those are 0.001%. And, and no, I mean, shout out to Zach. I mean, we love Zach, you know, he's a, he's a good dude and everything like that, but more people are going to be able to relate to you and your experience or Patrick's experience, you know, going over to Europe. So that's why I think it's more important to have, people like yourselves on to talk about that. But why did Sweden take chances on, on, on these lesser known players? Ooh, um, it's a good question. I'm not really sure. I really, I really don't know. Um, you know, like I said, I think it's twofold because a lot of them don't know who you are. So you're just coming in blind and that kind of works for you or against you. If you're a player who has a reputation behind them, obviously it doesn't help you. 
But if you're a player who's kind of an unknown, like, like I was when I came over, you know, they just, like I said, they just want to make sure you're good. And if you're good, they're going to take a chance on you. Um, you know, so that's kind of your play speaks. Yeah. Like, did anyone, even Patrick, when you went over there, did anyone even care about the fact that you were American or were they just like, okay, well, here's just another goalkeeper that we're looking to see if, if, if he can cut it for this team. Um, they definitely cared that you're American. I, I think Americans in general, uh, wherever you are in Europe, probably carry a certain uh, <laughs> stigma. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say that, uh, man, I think, uh, I think that, jeez. Um, sorry. It's all good, dude. I mean, I think the thing is, is that, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, like you were talking about Matt in regards to anytime you go anywhere, people from another country who come to MLS, you know, everyone's going to have a certain stereotype about them at two. So it's not just the American side, but it's also, you know, coming over here. I mean, I've, I've had it even just seeing it just in regards to from the collegiate game, you know, cause there's a lot of, obviously a lot of players from Scandinavia that are coming to the United States now to play college. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, what I'll hear is like, oh, so-and-so is coming in from Sweden. Oh, they're, well, they're going to be very highly technical and they're tactically going to be very aware and stuff like that. And then they come and they're really athletic and they didn't expect that. They're like, oh, I, I didn't, I thought if they were athletic, they would just stay over there. You know? Right. So, yeah. I remembered what I was going to say. I was going to say, <laughs> if you're looking at things from a, a business perspective, um, so you're taking a chance on an American, so to speak. I mean, that the potential and... Matt, you can either confirm or deny this, but uh, the potential for you to be sold to another club in Europe is seemingly higher than it would be if you're in the MLS and they're trying to sell you abroad. I think there's, because of just proximity, there's a lot more uh, opportunity to, to move about Europe if if you have success and if you do have success, if you're a great goalkeeper and there's other teams that are interested in you, not only are you going to help your team, but you're going to help the club because they're going to have money attached to your sale. So, um, so there's maybe more upside with a guy who, who has great athletic ability, who they can teach more of the ins and outs of soccer. I mean, not to say that that's your situation, but it's, I think there's no, we don't know anything about soccer is pretty much <laughs> yeah. like, let's no, be honest. No. We don't, we, the rest re, Europe knows everything about soccer. Everywhere <laughs> else doesn't have any idea. Yeah. Uh, if, if that's, you know, if that's what they think already, then they're only going to be surprised. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Matt, I want to talk about this now because we're talking about getting over to Europe and now you've established a career in Europe and, you know, some people use it as a springboard to try to play at a higher level. And then, you know, obviously some people decide to make their life in Europe as opposed to just their playing life in Europe. And you made the decision that you wanted to stay in Europe even after you were done playing. And you've been now moving into the coaching realm. Um, this is something that's really fascinating to me because it's a question that I get asked a lot. And is it, can a non-EU goalkeeper coach come over to Europe from a non-traditional power and, and make it as a coach? And you're proof that you can become a coach. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously, I'm fortunate again, just because I'm here, I have kind of the name recognition because I played here for eight years. Um, so people obviously knew me as a player. Um, and that's obviously going to open some, some doors for me. Um, 
then it's really kind of very similar parallels, kind of like my own career as a player, then you have to kind of prove yourself. Um, you know, and same thing, like if you're good enough, they're going to have you here. Um, you know, and, and for me, obviously it's, uh, staying here is, uh, it's clearly a choice, but also like I married a Swedish woman, you know, and I'm happy here. So it's like, for me, it's kind of natural to stay and, uh, you know, see, uh, see what we can make of ourselves. And to be fair, Sweden's a, a lovely country. Um, you know, so it's like, why leave now? What are some tips or advice that you would offer to, to coaches that, that want to go to Europe and, and want to either get involved in a youth academy or, or try to train, you know, coaches a first team? Like, do you have to have played in Europe in order to be able to coach in Europe, you think? No, I don't think so. I think, it, I think it's similar to what I would say my answer was for as a player. Um, the connections are what's going to help so much. I would actually think it's probably more difficult for you to come over as a coach. Um, just because a lot of countries want to, don't get me wrong, they want to produce their own talent as players, but they really want to produce their own talent as coaches. Um, you know, and to kind of keep the same information, you know, that they're circulating through the badges, you know, that you're getting, the UEFA licenses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, so I think it's probably more difficult as a coach um, to come in blind. Um, but I know, like, there's, I'm trying to think, there's an American coach coaching in division one. So, which is the third tier, um, up for a club in Stockholm. Um, so it can be done. Yeah. It can definitely be done, but it's, it's hard, you know, and I think it's just one of those things where, again, it's kind of putting yourself out there. I think the thing that hurts American coaches the most is just that with the licenses, they're good in America, you know, unless you have your, your UEFA education, you know, a lot of these clubs aren't going to take a chance on you. And in America, we don't have the UA for education. You know, so, we have so nobody N cares about NSC. my federation licenses. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately not. No. Um, they're like, I don't think you understand. Like I got this through the United States soccer federation. They're yeah. like, they're like, you just said what? you got that through the United States soccer federation. <laughs> right. Exactly. They're like, what is that? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Oh, that's um, that's yeah. a can of worms, huh? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, <laughs> We, we can get into, you know, uh, the, the whole, and that, by the way, here's my favorite thing after the U S Canada result, and we're going to talk about that later, everyone on their Facebook and social media posts who let's just say, consider themselves quote unquote pundits. Now they go like, it all starts with the youth. It all starts with the youth. I'm like, Oh really? Because <laughs> the youth was playing against Canada in Toronto that night. Are you sure those U 14 rec kids were playing there? Cause I'm pretty sure they weren't. Um, uh, no, there's a, there's so many different layers to development and 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 how to make a a, a first team national team strong. Uh, but I, I don't want to get into that right now. Um, I want to talk about uh, youth though, and I want to talk about youth academies because this is an opportunity that a lot of uh, younger kids are now starting to take in the United States, especially those that have EU passports. Is they're trying to come over to a youth academy rather than trying to develop in the United States, sign a pro contract here, and then go over to Europe. Um, in your opinion, Matt or Patrick, is it better for a, a youth player to, to go to a large club's youth academy than trial for a pro contract at a smaller club? Ooh. Again, it's hard yeah. because I think, I think so much is kind of, it depends on the situation. Um, we had a player that we actually just sold to our local club, Helsingborg. And he had an offer to go to Schalke, but with their under 23 team. 
Um, obviously, he ended up taking the uh, the local club here, um, which is in Alsvenskan, the highest league, uh, to play first team ball. But I but I think it's just it kind of depends on the situation. You know, the, the most important thing is that you're going to be playing, that you feel like you're going to be developing. Um, and that's kind of what my advice would be. I, I don't really think it matters if you're playing first team or top youth when you're young. Um, most important is just that you're playing and you're testing yourself. You know, each player is going to be different. I mean, obviously, we've seen a lot of a lot of American players now specifically go over to Germany, um, you know, and kind of starting with the uh, U18 under 23 teams, you know, kind of slash uh, in between and then make their way to the first team. So, I mean, it, it, it's a route uh, for sure. Um, I don't think you have to be part of a first team. No, definitely not. And I think also one of the things too is that it is it is based on on the person because everyone's going to be different. Every goalkeeper is going to be different. Yeah. I'll use Zach Steffen as an example. He was at Freiburg. He was yeah. in the, he was in their youth setup and and it didn't work out. And he came back to the United States and and he killed it in MLS. And now obviously we all know what he's doing at Dusseldorf right now. So yeah. um, you know you you have to look at every opportunity as as different. Um, and you can't make it cookie cutter and say, oh well, so and so is doing this that that's what I should do. Or Matt right. did this, or Patrick did no, this. No, that's a good point. I should do. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, these are these are all life choices, guys. Like these are these are situations where, and and this is in everything. It's like risk, risk and reward. So yeah, is it a higher risk to go to a an under twenty three team at Schalke where they've developed some of the best goalkeepers in the world? Or, you know, do I get those first team games? Uh, do I try to get noticed and be seen as that? And not necessarily just as like, uh, I'm working for this sort of thing. It's more like, I, look, I can do this already. So it's, it's, all, it's all choices, right? It's all, it's all these significant life choices that you have to make. And you have to make these decisions on you know, what is it that you want? Like, obviously, if you go to a, Sh if you go to a team like Schalke, and you kill it there, then like you're probably being looked at by every big club in the world. Yes. But <laughs> what do I know? You might, you might honestly, you, you might get that same opportunity if you're killing it in the Swedish first division yeah. too. Personally, right. I would have signed with Schalke just so that I could say <laughs> officially the smallest goalkeeper in Schalke <laughs> history uh, was, was signed today. And then they, 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 fact? they I don't know. I mean, probably, I'm guessing maybe like in 1934 or something like that. They, they signed somebody's uh, son or something. I don't know. That's um, crazy. Yeah. How, how much they're history, huge over there. They're, well, how much history these yeah. clubs have. It's I know. like, we're just babies in the whole process. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's uh, unreal. That's when you think about that, MLS is going to go on what, 22 years. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, mm. there's teams in Europe that have been around for like a hundred years. That, like how, how long has the club been around that, that, that you're the ones that you're coaching at right now? Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, 1700 years. They've, uh, yeah. They invented <laughs> um, soccer. <laughs> yeah. Varberg is actually close to a hundred years. I think Wow. Engelholm is only newer. They were 86. Um, and that's only because they merged. There were two local clubs that uh, merged together. So they're relatively young, but uh, if you go back to the, to the historical side, they're actually quite much older. This must be so fascinating, and and obviously we're you know going off on a tangent right here. But since I have you here, Matt, like the whole idea of expansion teams is so common to us as an American sports fans, you know, growing mm -hmm. up in the United States. The whole idea of expansion teams in Europe must just sound 
unreal. Like they're like, wait, what? That team never existed before. That wasn't like a men's team that got promoted and like moved oh, yeah. up and all that. Like, you just started a team. U.S. Soccer is not going to want to this one. No, the questions that I get asked: Why the U.S. has no promotion relegation almost right. every day? And I'm just like, I have no idea. They're like, wait, you can just buy into the league? I'm like, yeah, you can. Yeah, you got two hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, got a spot exactly. for you. Yeah, no problem. I mean, to be fair, now if you produce an infrastructure at the lower levels now you can start moving up the pyramid but it's not a a, a performance-based type of thing it's more of a no, financial exactly. and yeah. market you know i mean look shout out to sac republic they're getting an mls team now yeah yeah, yeah that's awesome you know congrats guys that's yeah. that's great you know meanwhile inter miami was made up that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh man Oh man, we are really going to be skewered uh, yeah. on social media for this episode. Uh, <laughs> well, let's stay on topic, guys. Stay on topic. Stay on top. All right, uh, let's talk about technical and tactical aspects that you should focus on uh, before heading to a trial in Europe. Um, both you guys did the whole trial in Europe thing. I did, believe it or not, guys. I know I'm very self-deprecating. I did have an opportunity to go to Europe uh, twice, and uh, I did not take them. Uh, I, I had some opportunities that were a little bit better than those. And uh, considering the fact I never got over six foot, it was probably a good decision <laughs> on my part. Um, but uh, there are specific things that I know that I always tell, tell kids, but I want to know from people who've actually gone through it that they should focus on before they head over. Patrick, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I mean, listen, guys, the goal's the same size in Europe. Like the field's the same size. You're you're gonna be playing soccer. But uh, that that would be honestly the best advice. There's not there's nothing in the short term that you're gonna be able to do that's gonna be like the secret sauce, you know, to 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 change your future. It's what you've been putting in every week, every day, you know, every minute that's what's going to be the, the real deciding factor. And I, I mean, that's, that's a very, like, I, I'd say a, a holistic goalkeeper approach um, that I've, I've kind of developed over the years. And Matt might say, dude, you're totally wrong. But <laughs> I mean, Matt's like just listening to Patrick. He's like, oh, that's so that's why you came back to the United States. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, like that's that's my take. Like the goal is going to be the same size. The field's going to be the same size. Listen to what your coach wants, research the team that you're going to play on and know how you're going to fit in and make a difference for that team. I, yeah, I think that's great advice. Great advice. Yeah. Like, honestly, Matt, is there anything else you would add to that? And he's like, well, yeah, you should probably also keep your hands up high on crosses. <laughs> your hands are taller and more athletic than Americans. And so, uh, Oh man, I don't know, I don't know about all that. <laughs> Well, apparently the Midwest just produces the best, <laughs> as we can all tell. Country uh, boys. Uh, Matt, anything else yeah. you would add, though? Uh, the, the only thing I would say is when I came, it was kind of quite different, only because back then I would say the U.S. was much more traditional. I would think in the way that goalkeepers were uh, taught, you know, in the sense of just being basically good shot stoppers, um, and just the way that the game has developed in the last 10 years. Um, obviously, the U.S. is doing almost the exact same thing that teams in Europe are doing now. But before, like when I first got here, it was kind of a, uh, a culture shock just to be expected to contribute so much to the team's build-up play. Um, and then also just defensively playing a super high line. Um, Cause that's not something I grew up doing. You know, I grew up training kind of in the much more traditional sense, you know, obviously dealing with cross management, shot stopping, uh, sure, of course, you're involved with your feet, but not nearly in, in the capacity that it was when I came over. So that was definitely a big learning curve for me. Um, 
you know, but now I'm not sure that uh, it's that much different because obviously I know in America from talking to uh, a lot of Dougie and uh, and Stan who chimed in earlier. Uh, oh, you know, they're chiming in right now, to be honest with you. We're, blow, we're blowing <laughs> they're, up. They're literally, yeah. <laughs> I, I love our watch party is literally just a camp shutout family feed. <laughs> our you know, phones like, are ringing off. Yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah, it, yeah it's that's not surprising. It, it's, the group, it's the group me from camp shutout is essentially our watch feed. Uh, right now, which is yeah. hilarious. Uh, and then probably somebody in Dubai. Um, actually, Stan has a question, <laughs> question real quick, just to interject real quick. He says, uh, because I think this might help with the, the discovery aspect, you know, um, what, uh, I guess you were discovered at 17 to play college soccer, Matt? Was that a thing? <laughs> That's apparently what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Stan wants to uh, wants me to tell the story how Stan discovered me. Uh, oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, tooting his own horn a little bit there, but uh, but yeah, stands stands the man I owe, owe a lot to that guy. Uh, you know, obviously gave me a fantastic opportunity to get, to go play in college, and then been my mentor ever since. So, well, let let let's 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 take uh let's take the ego of Stan out of the equation right now, yeah. and uh, let's say the similar situation of you or have you had a similar situation like that obviously it's a little bit different in europe because almost everyone is playing football um but have you had a a quote-unquote project that you found you know in your coaching career over there that you're like oh you know what this kid's got a lot of potential no one's really been focusing on them oh boy um i only started coaching six months ago okay <laughs> so it, it's quite early in my career but uh i mean i definitely at both clubs i have uh, young goalkeeper at, at each club who's very very talented um there's there's one especially at barberg who i think can be a top top goalkeeper um you know and i think the the biggest thing the biggest thing is that they're motivated and that they want to do it and it's that's not anything that you can really give as a coach of course you can encourage them and try to give them the opportunity to develop but it's up to the player to to be motivated themselves. Um, and if they want it, great. If they don't, that's honestly, in my opinion, that's okay too. Um, you know, and it's just the most important thing. And this is kind of something I've learned throughout my career too, is it's like, you got to be enjoying yourself because if you're not enjoying yourself and you're not comfortable, you're not going to play well. Um, so. No, I mean, that makes, that makes perfect sense. In fact, motivation is so important. In fact, I am so much more motivated to be professional when I'm sitting next to Patrick in, in a suit and tie <laughs> like this because i'm like well if he's dressed like this and he i literally thought you came here for this like this and i was like oh we're, we're stepping up at a notch uh we're stepping up a notch on inside the 18 right here yeah wow. we missed the memo michael yeah. dude what if I, next time i come in like a tux yeah hey, like a hey shout out if you want to sponsor our uh our attire go for it actually, we'll, come, we'll come in a tux 100 actually shout out yeah. to on, on the on the volley apparel which i'm wearing right now uh elvis romero has given us some gear Patrick, you got to get some gear from Elvis. Uh, he's got some really cool gear out there on the valleyapparel.com. Does he have dress shirts? <laughs> actually, I don't know, but actually that's not a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> casual dress shirts for the football uh, player. That's a, that's not a bad idea. Uh, I'm going football because we're talking to Matt and he's in Europe and, and you know, you got to say football, right? Uh, <laughs> all right, we've gone so off tangent right now. Uh, any final words of advice for anybody going going over to Europe right now before we move on? Just reiterate, don't be afraid to hear no. Just go after it. Yeah. Patrick? Hey, I I'm I side with Matt on this. I mean, you're you're gonna be told no at some point. If you're not yeah. awesome. But like yeah. <laughs> for most of us, there's a lot of no's that equal a yes. And yeah, just don't get discouraged. Like 
just because you're not right for one club doesn't mean you're not going to be right for another club. And yeah. it's, it's just, it's all a learning process. Um, I'm going to give one word of advice to anybody out there. I never went to Europe. I did go overseas and uh, learn a little bit about the culture before you go. Um, yeah. Try to learn some of the language, That's try to learn advice. some of the customs um, because again, you're on the field for two hours. <laughs> There's still another 22 hours uh, in that city where you're living and, uh, and you want to feel acclimated and you also, it's going to make, it's going to make people want to uh, bring you into the community a lot more than if, if you're just all soccer, all soccer, and you don't know anything else about the country, you know, obviously Matt, you've immersed yourself, you know, really, really well, uh, obviously in Sweden. Um, I guess you can't immerse yourself any, any better than actually living there, deciding to stay and, uh, and marrying somebody from yeah. the country, you know, yeah. guys, just do that. Just marry somebody from that country. That's all you got to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, and the good thing is your kids will have dual nationals, you know, yeah. so, uh, they can play for two, two national teams. So there you go. Yeah. Double your chances. There, there you go. Um, unless your 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 country chances are like me, and it's uh, Venezuela and the United States, and uh, one is a horrible economic situation, and the other one uh, um, is the United. No, I'm dead. <laughs> I just figured I'd go there because it was a cheap shot and it was an easy one. I love U.S. soccer. In fact, I grew up as a U.S. soccer. That was my team. Was United States, United States soccer team. Well, that was my team. You know, a lot of kids nowadays, I think that's one of the problems with, with us soccer is they don't understand is that the kids growing up nowadays, us soccer, isn't their number one club that they support. Their number one club is city or Liverpool or, you know, Bayern Munich or Dortmund or whatever, because yeah. they get, I never got that exposure. So it was either like watch MLS or support us soccer. And, you know, yeah. What's what's mind blowing to me is when people cheer for other countries instead of their own. Like, I understand if you you know if you grew up somewhere else and you're cheering for the the country in which you grew up in, and like that's totally fine. Or your parents are from there, like acceptable. But if you've been here for like centuries, you know, for a long time, like. Uh, what we don't know is that Patrick's immortal. He's been here for centuries. <laughs> the Highlander. I mean, your if your family's been here for a while, it's like we got we got it. We need that support. We need that support for the USA. And we, you know, we've been harsh today, but it's it's just because we want the best. Like it's not because mm. we're we're just trying to dig at you. We we just we want what everybody here in the US wants, and that's that's a great product on the field, and and that's part of the reason we do what we do. Yeah. So. And it's one of the reasons why we're doing things like going to United States Soccer Coaches Convention, which was a great segue. Thank you for setting that up. I was just going to say, fantastic segue. That was fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Guys, registration for the 2020 convention is now open. Make plans to join us January 15th to the 19th in Baltimore for five days of coaching education, networking, meal, and social functions, award presentations, and more. And by more, we mean us. We'll be at the United States Soccer Coaches Convention. Uh, we're going to be on Podcast Row. We're going to be doing content that entire week there. Maybe we might even do a demo presentation. Uh, we might possibly be shooting some stuff for the documentary there. Um, I think we should do a clinic. I think we should do a little cool clinic. Um, so if any Baltimore clubs out there want to reach out to us, maybe we can put a cool little thing together um, or just do a meet and greet with different insiders out there. Yeah. Um, and if you want to join us, United States Soccer, so UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org is the official website for the convention. Um, Matt, have you ever been to one of the conventions? I haven't. I've actually wanted to go. I've just, I've been gone for ever. So, so someday I'll definitely make it back. Dude, it is 
that's where I met Stan was, uh, was yeah. actually at, at Chicago convention last year. So, uh, shout out to United soccer coaches. Cause without that, uh, none of this would have been possible. You know, um, we wouldn't have been able to get all these wonderful comments from Dougie and, and, uh, and Stan, uh, on this feed right here, <laughs> if it weren't for the coaches convention. Um, all right, let's move into the weekend goalkeeping guys. Uh, I want to first off, should we, should we start with the U S since we've been already? Yep. Yeah, we might as well. All right. Um, that band-aid. Okay. For, for the insiders <laughs> out there listening who are not from the United States, you guys probably did not watch CONCACAF Nations League competition <laughs> this week, uh, but something happened in the United States. We had a 2-0 loss to Canada. Um, obviously not the result we expected, uh, but we do want to give a shout out to Zach Steffen, who was the man of the match for the United States. Um, and I think he was honestly the brown light spot for the, for the United States. What do you guys feel? Yeah. Matt, Matt. <laughs> Aaron Long played well too. Yeah, it's, it's hard how I even kind of want to chime in here, but, uh, I think the most frustrating thing, obviously for people, one, that we're losing, but just the two, the way that we're losing, um, you know, it, it, we're not, we're not building anything. We're not creating many good chances. Um, I did not watch this game live. So I only went back and, and watched it on Y scout. Oh, it wasn't in prime time in Sweden. That no. wasn't like the, <laughs> no. the number one no. choice. It's weird that they didn't know, but I mean like the, the biggest critique for this was just that it seemed like nobody cared. Um, you know, the energy just wasn't there. Um, you know, I think I saw, saw Twelman, uh, comment on Twitter that, you know, the heart is kind of gone from the team. Um, you know, and I think obviously as, as a country where that's kind of been our basis for so long, um, maybe we haven't had the technical or tactical capability for a while, but we've always at least kind of had that base ground to stand on. And, you know, heart. If, if we're losing that, then obviously, you know, players aren't, uh, aren't motivated right now. Um. Obviously, I have no idea. I'm not in the locker room, um, you know. But uh, but you can see something's got to change for sure. What's happening? Yeah, you know? yeah. And the body language the just doesn't heart. look good. Yeah. No, but I want to shout out Zach though, because out of anybody yeah, in that game, he looks like he wants it. He looks like he cares, and I think he, that's one of the reasons he why he's killing it at Dusseldorf. Yeah. I mean, he well, did that, everything. He was hung out to dry, and he still was giving all his all every single play. So, yeah, um, well, I, I mean, I, I think if you look at a lot of those players who are playing right now, he obviously has probably the most to play for. Um, Pulisic isn't playing at Chelsea. Stefan is playing every week. So obviously for him, he's kind of motivated just to stay in form and, and stay in that lineup. I've watched a ton of him uh, this year for Dusseldorf. Can't say enough great things about him. He's saving their backside every single week. Um, you know, and I think, Obviously, I, I know maybe we weren't planning on talking about this, but I think a lot of the criticism that he's gotten, especially with his ability to play out of the back, I think it's totally misguided. Um, if you really think that this guy can't play with his feet, you're wrong. You are. Uh, he's the bet. He's the best that we have in the player pool by far. It's not even close. Um, you know, you have to think of kind of the impact of what's happening around him. Um, he's being asked to play a certain way with players who are not comfortable playing that way. And the only negative thing I would say is I think he's trying to overplay in certain situations. Yep. Um, but also I think he's being told to overplay. Um, I think it's very, very clear because there's certain situations. That's the thing about, for an example, we'll just use city because they are the, you know, the example of building and playing out of the back. Yes. They take chances, but also they don't muck about with the ball. 
Um, you know, yes, they're good enough to handle playing through the tight areas and skipping lines, but Ederson, besides being the best short ball playing goalkeeper in the world, he's the best long ball playing goalkeeper in the world as well. Yep. And, you know, I think the U S is trying to play short too much. I think they should not be afraid to stretch the field every so often, because if teams know they're only going to play short, they're going to do exactly what they've been doing. They're just going to keep high pressing them and cause turnovers. You have to be able to keep the predictable let's even talk about that i mean i i, I kind of did want to talk about that first that first great save by zach stefan but if we want to go back to the if we want to go to the goal you know the that started with a long ball over the top the second goal i'm talking about uh it was a long ball over the top and i believe what happened in that situation was that basically cavallini i forget the goalkeeper that he plays for red star belgrade for um for Canada, uh, the top guy, Matt, you would probably know better than me, uh, his name. I can't, his name's skipping my, yeah. my memory right now, yeah. but yeah. I, know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but he played, he, essentially it was a ball played back from center back from Canada, long ball over the top to Cavallini. And I don't know what was going on right there. I think it was, uh, who, who was it? Was it, was, who was it on it? Was it Aaron long that was on him? And he just kind of just thought, oh, I'll just guide him. He didn't really have, uh, I, I know Tim Ream had stepped first to press then okay. Aaron long, in my opinion, should have dropped immediately, but he kind of got caught ball watching for the ball from Osario, uh, yeah. over the top. That was a good, which uh, was a great ball. The situation where, yeah, it, it was, it was a really, really good ball, but also that's a situation where if one center back steps, the other center back just has to drop, especially you got to check your shoulder and see if the guy's making the run. Um, and if he is, then that's your job to cover. Um, and they just didn't. Well, let, let's get back to Stefan here and then let's break down the yeah. first, first goal. Uh, not first goal, the first save. Um, it was a left shot shot from, uh, from Hoylet, um, from the center of the box. Basically what happens is, uh, is, is Cavallini comes out. Um, oh no, no, sorry. This is, this is the one we were talking about here. Um, it was the Jonathan David, the right, basically what happened is Stefan comes out, covers the ground and holds position. Uh, this was a ball that was played to by the way, Jonathan David is sick. Jonathan David is sick for Canada. Canada's got some players. I yeah, think people do. need to understand. Yeah, they do. That. They're a good they team some, right now. They got some players. Um, he comes out, covers ground, and holds position and shape. He doesn't overcommit. The ball rebounds, and he covers space on the drop, eliminating the three points. So what I'm talking about by the three points is the three points of the goal uh, for a young goalkeeper listening out there. This is so important for goalkeepers to see the patience that he had in staying big mm. and not going down too early. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, honestly – like he makes a great save. I think the U S gets really lucky here in general um, because yeah, he makes that great save, but like there's nobody, there's nobody there to bail him out. There's so many times yeah. that he's doing so much and nobody's there to bail him out. Like they're not, I don't know if they're just not reading the game right or, or what's happening, but I feel like he's just kind of, he's just kind of standing alone back there. And And this is one of those situations where I feel like, yeah, we got super lucky not to go down, not to have three goals against in this in this game because he just barely pulls this thing wide. And obviously, the the defenders do a pretty good job of trying to cover the net after the uh, you know the first situation is 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 done, which I don't actually understand. And maybe you can enlighten me here, Matt, because you are a coach. But why are player more players not just going to the ball in that situation? Like I, they don't have the same training as us, so they don't understand that. The closer they are to the ball, the smaller the goal is going to be. So if they attack that, chances are it's going to put more pressure on them. I, when they drop to the line, it's like, 
yeah, but you're not a goalkeeper. So what are you doing back there? Like how, how many times do you see a, a shot? And I know we're going off on a tangent here, but how many times do you see a shot just get rifled in and to some guy who's standing on the line thinking that he's going to be the difference in this ball? It's like you're so much more effective if you, if you, if you just attack that ball. And we didn't pay for it that time, but that's that's my two well, cents. My, 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 the thing that scared me about this situation was this was early on in the game. I think it was like the 14th minute and the lack of urgency from the U.S. back line to, mm. to deal with the situation made me already realize, oh, this – they're not, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like, like tonight I'm playing up with my men's team and we're playing a team that's not at the same skill level as us. And this is, this is one of these situations type happening where you're like, just going through the motions. You're like, oh, cool. Well, all right. Well, we, phew, that's a good thing that didn't happen or whatever, but like, they're not going to have another chance type of a thing. And I just, ugh, that just said, I know this is the week where, where we, I know it's a goalkeeping podcast, but it's just, this is the week, man. It's yeah. just, it's all kind of like getting to me. Yeah. That's it's, funny. And, and it's a weird game too. Like cause I've, I've played in those games, right. Where there's just nobody in the stands. Like, I don't even know why there was nobody in the stands. Well, we because know? it was the, the game started early and then the, the stands did fill the stands did fill in that game. So uh, it was, it was weird for me when I'm watching because I've been in those situations and it just feels like the atmosphere just gets sucked out of those games. And it's, it's almost like you revert to this mentality that you're just playing like, an exhibition game, not that you're putting on this U.S. uniform, which so many of us wish we had the, the chance to do. And, sh and big shout out to Zach, because like, obviously he's, it means something to him. And it's not very often that I, I, and I'll get off my, my, my pedestal here soon, but like, it's not very often that I side with Taylor Twelman and saying like, man, we need some freaking heart guys. Like mm. if we don't have heart, I hate to break it to you. We're not very good. Like, yeah. Oh, geez. Should we, uh, should stepping we... down now, <laughs> stepping <laughs> off that pedestal. Should we still keep going with this game? Cause I feel like we're never going to get through it or should we just move on to yeah. Europe? I uh, mean, Zach, awesome performance. Yeah. Keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. I don't know what to say about the rest of it. I'm not a, I'm not a. Pulisic a had, Pulisic had the flu. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, apparently. Yeah, he had the. So did Michael the, Jordan. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Right. Hey, great shot there. <laughs> All right, let's let's go to Euros. Uh, let's go to. Uh, I'm calling it Andre Piatov versus Ronaldo because that's kind of what it was. Uh, phenomenal performance. Uh, Ukraine gets the result against Portugal. Um, even though Ronaldo got, I think uh, it was a seventh hundredth European goal or something unreal yeah. like that. Is ridiculous. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, seventh hundred career goal. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Piotov stood on his head, in my opinion. Uh, if you guys don't yeah, know, Piotov, he was really good. Uh, he plays for Shakhtar Donetsk, which is a very high-level club uh, in the Ukraine, always consistently Champions League or Europa League. Uh, let's break down these saves. Uh, first one, Jean uh, Mario, left-footed shot from the center of the box, saved in the bottom left corner. Uh, again, great ball by Ronaldo to the, to the top of the box. Piotov, great low block into good space with pace to disallow the second ball. I always want to bring this up with kids. When you make that block, you got to put it in with pace. You can't just make contact with the ball and then hope that it, it goes into a good space. You got to steer it into a good space. Yeah, especially uh, the velocity of the parry that you use is going to uh, is going to significantly impact the the forward who's looking to get onto it. Like it's just like any any ball that's across the, their face, right? Uh, oh, somebody who hits a shot at them 
they're not going to be able to finish that too easily. And the same goes for when you're, when you're pairing something strong is the more you put behind it, the harder it's going to be to put that directly back in your net. You, you, you leave a little slow roller. Guess what? You're probably going to be wearing that one or it's going to be in your net. Yeah. And this was reasonably early on in the game. I mean, this was around the 26. So again, if, if Portugal gets that goal first, that could be a completely different game. Yeah, we talk about yeah. momentum changing saves all the time, and this is a perfect example. Um, Matt, anything you want to add, add, add to that yeah, save? Yeah, actually, there, there was one thing that stood out to me in this save, and I noticed it later in the game, too. Um, their defense does a really, really good job at uh, blocking spaces. Um, you see, I, I'm not sure the name, I apologize, but he has a defender uh, blocking his near post. So for... Uh, Piotov, he can basically already anticipate that the ball is going to go to the back post. He can't cheat. He can't go early, but in his mind, he already knows, okay, the, I have a guy blocking the first post for me, you know, take the, take the back post, make this save. And that obviously is, I think a big reason he, he gets such a strong push and able to parry that ball into a good area. Yeah. Yeah. I I love the fact that you brought up that because I don't want to go back to the Canada game, but I'm going to because that is a, a similar. It wasn't a similar scenario, but it was in regards to a back line being on the same page as their goalkeeper and yeah. the Ukraine and the Ukraine. They were completely in sync. And you see this even with the younger Ukrainian teams. I mean, you see them at the U20s. They had a very good U20 uh, national team um, at the, at the U 20 world cup. And, and so, you know, obviously this is something that, that is coming through the system. Yeah. Honestly, we should do a whole segment on just what Matt was talking about there and just how important it is guys. It's a huge goal. It's 196 square yeah. feet. Like it's massive. And if you have a defender who knows how to effectively cut off half that goal, your mm-hmm. job just got so much easier. Yes, and, and, and so and much have, easier. Yeah, and having these conversations with, um, with these defenders about what you want in certain situa- situations and scenarios, and then coaching them through the moment into making things predictable for yourself, like that is so effective to have that tool. At, it's absolutely necessary at the highest levels yeah. of play. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I want to talk about the 50, the save in the 51st, because I, I think it's world-class to be honest with you. Uh, this was when Ronaldo, he got that shot across first off Guerrero. I'm a big Rafael Guerrero fan. Um, I'm a, I'm a Dortmund fan. So, so I, I like seeing him, uh, you know, serving these kind of balls. Uh, he, it was a simple ball to Ronaldo, but then Ronaldo finds that separation. And anytime Ronaldo finds separation, even outside the box, that's scary because what he does is he unleashes the ball across goal with movement. Luckily he's far enough, deep enough out that allows Piatov time to get his footwork across to make that steer. Cause that ball was going into the top corner in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, it was. And the other thing that Piotov does really, really well is his line is initially, I don't know, say four or five yards from his goal. And as Ronaldo cuts in, he starts to backtrack already. So he's already giving himself more space and time to react to the shot. And I think that's a, a reason he actually gets there. I don't want to say easily because he's still full stretch, but is able to make the save. Because I think that's the difference maker there is giving himself those extra seconds to react. That I love the fact that you brought that up because I think that's something that a lot of young goalkeepers need to understand is because, you know, their, their depth in regards to their height and their depth. A lot of times they, they think, okay, well, I'm, I'm high, I'm staying high and they don't understand how to move and drop back because they're so scared. So many goalkeeper coaches or, or 
team coaches tell them never to drop, never to drop, never to drop, not understanding the distance there. So, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's not the right, that's not the right advice to never drop because there's situations when you a hundred percent, you need to drop. And I, I, what really impresses me about Piatov is, and, and remind me how old he is. Uh, he's, he's what, 27 or something like that? No, he's, oh, he's, he's, I think he's 35. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, like okay. this, yeah. this is so apparent to me that he is like a, a very experienced goalkeeper yes. because of just, so just his, his thought process behind his movements, like yeah. how predictable he makes the game for himself. is just yeah. so impressive. And that's, that's not something you really see at, at goalkeepers who are, you know, 25, 26, 27, like you can tell that this guy's like a, a fine wine and he's just developed and developed and developed and 35 year old him knows exactly what is going to happen in all these scenarios. Cause he's seen them all and he's done it so many times through yeah. the years that it's like, it's just second nature to be in the right spots, to be doing the right things. He makes things look so much easier than they are. He's yes. playing against the yeah. best player, arguably in the world. All right. So let's, let's, let's talk about the, the final save. Um, and, and because of time, I'm, I'm going to move farther into the game here. This was in the 91st minute. This was extra time. This is where all the chips were on the, on the, on the table right here, because again, we can't, we can't iterate how, how massive this result was for the Ukraine. It was massive. Um, this was the, the, and you guys have probably seen the highlights because it's been all over the place. It's the Ronaldo header. Um, I mean, this was world-class because it was a dangerous ball point blank uh, that was played in low driven header with spin. And like I was saying on Twitter, uh, this is why a strong wrist is so necessary because even if a ball's got spin on it, you can still steer it if you go in rigid rather than soft. Because yeah. if he had gone in soft with the wrist there, you know, that ball's in the net. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was world-class. Yeah. Any, anything else? I mean, I think you said it like that. And that's, and that's exactly what I was talking about. It's just moments like this when you know, and not to use a golf reference, but you know the right club to use. You know what, what tool is going to get the job done. And that's exactly what he does with, you know, taking this off a strong wrist and not just trying to like, not trying to catch it or not trying to, you know, he doesn't mess around. He knows he's, he's probably worn six of those. Those have probably ended up in his, you know, however many had probably ended up in his net from doing it wrong and just, you know, understanding that you need to learn from those situations is something that we can really draw from that. And he's a perfect example of now he does it right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Matt, anything else you want to add to that? No, I think Patrick kind of hit, hit the nail on the head when he, when he talks about his experience, you know, I think that this save is very, very apparent. Same thing. Timing of the game, you know, you couldn't really, I don't want to say you couldn't follow a goalkeeper, but you could understand how a goalkeeper could maybe get a little bit stressed. Um, you know, Ronaldo's rising in the air and then you go, Oh crap. Um, you know, but he, uh, Pietov, you know, he kind of just tracks the ball really, really well, comes across and makes a really, really good save. Yeah. Um, 
All right, let's let's move on uh, because we're running out of time right here. Uh, Matt, first off, thanks for taking all this time, man. I think we've yeah. been going for over an hour right here, and I know, you know, apparently, you know, um, our friend in Dubai did not like the long episode. So <laughs> we're gonna try to keep it a little shorter. <laughs> to be fair, he didn't say that, but okay, we, you okay. know, but we have. <laughs> That's how we interpreted it. We're yeah. just we're just we're we're trying to prepare you for having to focus for an entire game. Exactly. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. This is ex- this is extra time now. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Mert. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name, Mert Ganox of Turkey, uh, his game against France. They got the one, one game. Um, we were talking about this unreal. game off, off air, yeah. uh, yeah. how, how he really, was un- really good. unreal. Uh, let's talk about, by the way, shout out to, um, insider Jakob Bayar from Turkey, uh, for, for telling us that we had to talk about this game. He literally DM'd and mm-hmm. he's like, yo, you got to talk about this game. Um, so this, this led to, a, a, this was amazing. It was Musa Soko, as we know, a very dangerous player. Um, I mean, basically what happened is there's a fast approach, slow arrival type situation um, where the ball's played to Greensman. Um, he makes the save and then he's got to go across box because Sissoko gets the rebound and, and he's got to make, make, make the recovery save onto the opposite side. Why is this such a difficult, difficult save, double save to make guys? Go ahead, Matt. Uh, the, the, the hardest thing is just that he has to uh, go backwards. You know, yeah. he's making two saves in completely different areas of the goal. First one, he does a great job at coming out, cutting the angle, keeping himself big. And then he's aware to be able to find the ball right away. Underrated uh, traits in a goalkeeper. And then just retreat to his line. You know, he knows exactly where the goal is. He knows what the dangerous uh, area is. And he doesn't want Sissoko to be able to exploit it. So he just, you know, falls right back to his line and sets himself and makes a really, really good save again. Yeah, and this was this was the drop negative that we're talking about that that sometimes is a uh, is something that you need to do. Um, all right, guys, uh, we've been going really really long. Uh, Matt, if anybody wants to to follow you out there, uh, I know they can read you on the Athletic. Uh, where's the best place for people to reach out to find out more about your goalkeeping content? Ooh, uh, Twitter, Matt Pizdrowski at Matt Pizdrowski. Um So I'm on there uh, talking goalkeeping all the time, and uh, more than happy to talk uh, talk with anybody. So. Cool. Awesome. And, and check out the, the content on the athletic guys. All right. That's all the time we got on inside the 18 member contact at inside the 18 media.com or at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms. We're out. Yeah. Yeah.